0: a dash of the silver screen, a pinch of the golden oldies, and a of streaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host
1: DJ and Toppy. Greetings. This is Toppy Smelly reporting live from the Marionette Theater in Spud Flats, New York. It's about halfway distance between where... DJ Live and I live. I'm your host for this our our second live streaming episode of Matinee Minutia here on Univaz Network. Welcome! In the seat next to me is my friend, fellow podcaster, creator, and star
0: of Matinee Minutia, DJ Star Sage. Good evening, Mr. Smelly. How are you this fine night? I'm fine, but that is the shortest applause I've
1: ever heard. You got to make that applause a little longer next time.
0: Well, they—they're really small people. Um, I—I I couldn't afford much. Oh, all
1: right. Well, there you go. <laughs> Listen, kids, we're right here in the Marionette Theater. It's such a lovely place. I love it. It's so old timey, and so decorative, and it just brings me right into Hollywood and movies and stuff. And DJ, we're not going to be sitting in the theater tonight. Do you know why? No, why is that, sir? Well, I'll tell you. (laughs) I'll tell you, because what we're going to talk about today is TV. And where is the TV in the marionette theater?
0: Is, Is it in that old dusty break room? It's in the
1: old... Dusty Bake Room. So we're going to head over there in very uh, very shortly. But first, DJ, we got some people uh, that have been kind enough to shoo up uh, in our chat room. Let's say hi to them. Okay. Uh, there's sh- someone you might know. His name's Billy, Star Sage. Ooh, I, I think I've got a mortgage with him. <laughs> ah, you, you just might. And we also are very happy to see old Haunty or Hunt Cub here in the chat room. Hi, Hunt Cub. Thanks for showing up. And also our friend Tommy is here uh, live in the chat room. Hi, Tommy. Hope you're well. He said uh, before that uh, Tommy said, well, he was told that there was some punch and pie. That's why he showed up.
0: <laughs> uh, I think you might have to ask the cleaning people. I think they took it away. Oh
1: <gasps> no! Don't tell him that, Jesus! <laughs> oh my
0: God! Well, he might have to. He might have to wrestle for it. But I'm sure there's still some in the building. Yeah. Oh, uh, Auntie says
1: hi. Hi, gents.
0: Good evening.
1: Um. Well. What say, um, DJ,
0: what, uh, what should we do next? I'd ask. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, for those of you who may have missed our first show, we have this little gimmick here where we've got a special little magic machine here that, uh, picks the next program that we're going to watch now at the end of the last show we gave you a hint as to what we're going to be reviewing today oh yes and now supposedly nobody knows unless they've guessed that's true basically at the end of each episode we're going to have a drawing And that's going to give us a hint at the next program that we're going to watch. Now, in this case, as you may have seen on our website at Matinee, M-A-T-I-N-E-E, minutia the hard word, M-I-N-U-T-I-A-E, matineeminutiae.com. You'll see the paper scroll there saying what we're watching next. And for this episode, we are watching a legal drama television series that aired from 1957 to 1966. Now, if you wanted to wait until this episode, tonight's live show, you'll be wowed and surprised once we reveal. However, if you want to play along and watch the show before we have the live program, you can carry on in the chat room along with us. And if you want to do that, just look for the rabbit in the magician's hat. And there's instructions there. It will give you a spoiler. But be careful. Don't spoil the fun if you don't want it spoiled. Yeah, really what we want to do
1: is give people who actually show up here in the chat room a bit of an advantage over people who... Oh, I don't know. Just listen whenever they want. <laughs> you know, that on-demand stuff is highly overrated. No, it's the people that show up here live uh, that we're concerned about. That we can No, we care about everyone. But we care about the people that show up at the chat room more. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to try to do things that only you guys in the chat room are going to know about. And DJ doesn't know this yet, but we... <laughs> because he's just learning this from me right now. But we may, well, not may, we're going to hand out uh, prizes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that, DJ? <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, it's going to happen. Maybe not this episode, but uh, when we can. I, I think that we should, um, you know, we want to encourage people to show up here. And I, I think that the people that do show up here should have a first bat
0: at, uh, you know, getting uh the the good stuff maybe a little prize absolutely now so you are already starting the roll call here of our fine folks in the audience but we have a we have someone just trying to sneak in in the back there and i just wanted to uh, reach out and say hello to our old friend Maren who's the, uh, joining us from the midwest Maren hi welcome good back evening. and do we go over a pause? Okay, so, Melly, we were going to go to the break room, but before we hit the break room, I think there's somewhere that we normally visit, because uh, we need to get an idea or or give our listeners a better idea, or at least a, a nibble, if, as it were, right. of what's coming up. So Let's uh, head on over to the concession stand,
1: shall we? Let's go. Hello. Oh, you're back again. Uh, Yes. uh, Folks, this is Gertie, and she runs the concession stand here at the Marionette Theater in Spud's Flats, and uh, uh, Gertie, uh, this is an amazing collection of objects and things that you've got here. Thanks, and uh, I just want to say, let's take this first one. Uh, folks. It's a, uh, a a mallet, a wooden mallet. Yeah, a wooden mallet. What do you think that means?
0: I I don't know, DJ. Oh, maybe the, maybe they're fans of walnuts. I know I like to use a mallet for my walnuts.
1: Well, how old-fashioned of you,
0: DJ? Well, okay, a uh, mallet. Uh, let's take a
1: look over here. Oh, uh, Gertie, what's this? Well, what do you think it is, dummy? It's a briefcase. Oh, a leather briefcase. Oh, very nice. Hmm. Excellent. Uh, uh, w- w- what's this? Uh, looks like some food. Yeah, it's a big old donut. Big old donut. Because you know who like to eat. Oh, uh, that's a hint about the star <laughs> of the show, uh, DJ. What do all these clues add up to? And oh. Uh, should we should we reveal the
0: uh, shoe we're going to cover today? Uh, well, you know, um, it, it's funny you ask there, sir, because, uh, you know, even though we've got a fair assortment of things, I, I don't know if you, know, you noticed, but there's a faint odor about these things. They, they actually kind of smell heavily of cigarettes. Or is that just Gertie? Oh my God! You're right. <laughs> well, it's certainly not me.
1: It's not me either. Okay, yeah, it is. But anyways, all right, Gertie, calm down. Uh, Gertie, by the way, has run the concessions stand for years now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, keep in mind, folks. Uh, back in the vaudeville, day- back in the vaudeville days, uh, Gertie used to do a striptease. You know, I haven't lost my touch, have I?
0: (laughs) No. um, Keep back (laughs) up.
1: All right. Uh, For the final tease, uh, we've got a theme song, because this TV show did have a theme song. Uh, DJ, why don't you play that old theme song? It's very famous, very recognizable, kind of iconic,
0: you might say. Here we go.
1: That's right. Today, uh, we're going to do Perry Mason. We got trivia up the wazoo about Perry Mason and its star. And who might that be, DJ? Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr. Folks, boy, you are in luck today because we have Raymond Burr trivia that you're just not going to believe. I mean, this is DJ we couldn't have picked uh, a more interesting actor uh, to be on our first TV program.
0: Indeed. And I think we should uh, fire up the old tube here so we can get this, uh, this show on the road. Oh, yeah, because if you didn't... Oh. Ooh, what,
1: what the
0: I... hell DJ? What was that? I think that it even smoked a little when I turned it on. Uh,
1: Turn it on again. Do that again. Put it on again. Oh, that was our black and white tube TV. You know, TJ, I almost gave myself a hernia when I tried to pick that sucker up before you got here. (laughs) (laughs) Holy Jesus! Do you guys remember how big tube TVs were?
0: Oh. Oh, They used to be the centerpiece of many people's living rooms. That's right. Well, we're, we're old-timey here because
1: well, this is an old-timey theater. And, well, they just never replaced that damn TV in the break room. I love the static. You know those
0: old TVs, when you turn them on, they had that static noise. Isn't that cool? Hmm. Yeah. You know? I, I remember one time coming back from there being a, a thunderstorm outside, and back in those days they didn't ground anything, you know, electrical and whatnot. Anyways, long story not so short. Uh, Dad went to turn on the TV and he thought it was okay until flames started coming out of the back because uh, lightning had struck the cable. <laughs> ah, I've
1: heard of that happening, but
0: I never knew. Oh, Spuff is here. Hey. Spuff. Spuff, spuff, spuffy. Anything to us from the fair land of Oslo. Welcome, Spop. Um. By the way, folks, feel free to jump
1: in anytime if you got something to say in the chat room. We encourage your participation. DJ, let's get the shoot on the road. Certainly. Um, there's a, a clip that I provided for y- you, and uh, it's uh, a burn number one. Can you play in that, please? All right.
0: Now, there's only one person in this case or connected with it who would have ready access to that kind of
1: cash at that time of night. Now, who was it you saw coming
0: out of your room right after you heard that shot? Sterling, Lucky Sterling.
1: Yeah, me. Lucky Sterling. I killed him. Yeah. Uh, Haunty just said that uh, good old Gaiman Burr. We'll get into that later, uh, uh, Haunty, for sure. Uh, so Perry Mason, I believe it started in 1956. Can you believe it, folks? 1956. Who knew they even had TV shows on then? But they did.
0: They sure did. And in uh, that time frame uh the uh what was going on in the world was that it had been about 12 years since world war ii and uh but only four since the korean war so yeah. they say that uh you know we have time of prosperity as a result of war well elvis had just appeared on the old sullivan show for the third and final time eisenhower is inaugurated for his second term as u.s president in a mid-air collision of a commercial DC-7 and a military fighter plane in the skies above San Fernando Valley kills eight, including three junior high kids on a playground. Wow. Oh. Plenty happened that year, including the first U.S. nuclear-powered submarine logged its 60,000th nautical mile. Also, the FBI arrested Jimmy Hoffa for bribery. The Brooklyn Dodgers moved to L.A., Eisenhower announced a two-year suspension of nuclear testing, and uh, after the Civil Rights Act was passed, Eisenhower had to send federal troops to Arkansas to, uh, well, to basically supervise integration of the school. And uh, because there are a fair amount of women in Perry Mason and the many roles, including his assistant, I thought I would put it into perspective of women's issues here. So the first legislation requiring equal pay for equal work wouldn't be passed for another six years when this show began. And before the no-fault divorce law in 1950 or 1969, spouses had to show the faults of the other party, such as adultery, and could easily be overturned by recrimination. Uh, just finishing up here, until the Equal Credit Opportunity Act 1974, women were not able to apply for credit. And until the Pregnancy Discrimination Act in 1978, women could be fired from their workplace for being pregnant. Yeah. So that is just an idea of what was going on in the world at the time. And uh in terms of TV... At that's, the time, what I, that's what I want to know. <laughs> what was on TV when this damn show started? When Perry Mason started, there were a fair amount of Westerns on TV. Probably oh. shows. Oh, yes, there were a lot of Westerns.
1: Hey, I think Marin can hear us.
0: Way! And... Uh, Let's see here. So basically, uh, Westerns, I Love Lucy was in its last year. Leave it to Beaver had just started. And George Burns and Gracie Allen were um, wrapping up the end of their long run.
1: Say goodnight, Gracie. (laughs) Goodnight, Gracie. Gracie. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, there's an interesting origin to Perry Mason. Uh, It's actually been in uh, theatrical movies, it's been on the radio, and before all that, some damn dude was writing books. And his name, of all things, is,
0: how do you suppose that's pronounced?
1: Eerie? Uh,
0: It looked like Earl to me, but it's... (laughs) You're
1: right, it's Earl, not Eerie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Earl Stanley Gardner, and uh, he wrote, good Lord, I'm not sure how many, but a lot of novels um, that uh, Perry Mason was in for many, many years, these novels just came. And uh, sometime in the 40s, there were a couple of Perry Mason movies, uh, then began a series of Perry Mason on the radio, and finally, it came to TV. And that's uh, and and when it started, it was an hour-long dramatic series. There weren't too many hour-long TV shows at that time. Uh, most shows were half an hour, even most of the dramas. Uh, I found out that the first hour-long drama was a show called Cheyenne. Hmm. And uh, uh, Perry Mason came around not too long afterwards. So um,
0: uh, what what else do we know about uh, this TV show? DJ, what well, do you got? I, I know that one of the things that I read was the author, Earl Stanley Gardner, he was an attorney who later became an author and he had written all of these books. Of course, as we were saying, this was uh, a radio series before they uh, got it turned into television, but they tried for years to get this made into the television series that finally aired on CBS. And, uh, they had many previous actors that were, uh, in line to take the role, but none of them got the approval of the author. And finally, what ended up happening to get the uh, books turned into the TV series successfully was the author's agent got sweet talked by the wife who had been an actress and had had over 60 film credits.
1: Ooh, that's right. Um, Raymond Burr started out, Uh, He did some theater. Uh, Then um, he did uh, a a lot of radio. He broke into TV doing a lot of live TV shows because a lot of little shoes back then were done live. Um, And that was, you know, an exciting time to be watching television because it's live. And sometimes things didn't go so well. (laughs) Uh, So he really owned, uh, 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 shaped up as an actor um, in all those years on radio and live TV and stuff. And, uh, And Perry Mason was his first big part, really big breakout on TV. Now, DJ, what would you say in the movies if you thought, of Raymond Burr, and chat room, uh, uh, jump in there and put in what you think. If you could think of a tele, uh, a movie with Raymond Burr in it, uh, go ahead and put it in there. I bet you I know at least two that'll come up, because it's certainly the two things, the two movies that I
0: think of when I hear Raymond Burr so we'll give the audience a moment to respond and we will proceed with some time passage here so um I don't have the jeopardy theme but we can Okay, that's enough.
1: Um, well, we actually had, um, a, I don't know, so I'll tell you, <clears throat> I'll tell you, folks, the two movies I think of when I think of uh Raymond Burr is first of all the original, the first Godzilla movie, hmm. and that was a movie that originated in Japan, and when you uh, when usa decided bring that damn movie over here they thought this is going to confuse people we need to americanize this so somehow they hired raymond burr <laughs> to uh, come in and insert some uh new footage into the original godzilla and uh, there thereby that's how raymond burr an American speaking English who is not dubbed somehow appears in the original Godzilla movie. And he's kind of a reporter who is observing. And, um, uh, and, and, and so that that's certainly uh, one of the things that my goodness, I must've seen when I was a kid and it was my first exposure to Raymond Burr. The second one is probably, Well, one of his most famous movies was Rear Window, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. He was the heavy, he was the villain, and he was the guy that um, Jimmy Stewart was observing through his binoculars across the courtyard, uh, looking through his windows when he shouldn't have been, and he saw strange things that Raymond Burr was doing in his apartment, and it sure looked like he was murdering his wife and chopping her into pits and putting her into a suitcase. So uh, Raymond Burr at the end of rear window, uh, tried to and succeeded in tossing Jimmy Stewart out of the window, out of his rear window. And, uh, he fell and, uh, broke his other leg, uh, because, The whole reason he's looking out the rear window is he's in a cast, and he can't go anywhere, and he's bored, and he starts looking out his rear window with binoculars and spying on his neighbors. That's not a nice thing to do, but he did, and so that's probably uh, a movie Raymond Burr is most well-known for, but he did a hell of a lot of other movies and most often played the heavy. Now that's because Raymond Burr was a sizable man, a, a man of carriage, a man who well he was big. And <laughs> turns out he was uh Raymond Burr was heavy from childhood. He always had a lot of weight. And um uh, and it made him well Let's just say he was never the leading <clears throat> leading man type, but he was a character actor, and so it didn't uh, it didn't stop his acting career. Let's just say that.
0: Now, you know, um, well, I I know that uh, as a latecomer to the uh, the talent of Raymond Burr, I saw him in much more obscure parts, but they were certainly not less memorable like uh he played a judge in airplane 2 the sequel with leslie nielsen and then of course he was later on in one of john candy's films delirious where he played a soap opera writer whose stories came to life
1: yeah uh by by that time later on in life, he did a lot of cameo things because one thing that Perry Mason did, folks, is hmm, maybe one of the first TV roles that was absolutely associated with its actor. People loved Perry Mason and they loved Raymond Burr. And he did the show for nine years. Then there was a long, long absence of Perry Mason, and he returned in the 80s to do something like 26 TV movies as Perry
0: Mason. That's a lot of TV movies. It sure is. And, uh, Toppy, I'd like to interrupt you for a brief moment as we are going to introduce a new regular part to Matinee Minutia. Folks, you have a few moments here to get up and grab a beverage or to visit the little Half Moon House, and we will be back with you in just three minutes.
1: It's intermission time, folks, so hurry, hurry, hurry. Step right over to our refreshment center for the most extravagant array of refreshment goodies ever assembled under one roof. Enjoy breathtaking mouth-watering goodies, everything from a snack to a delicious full meal. At our refreshment center, you'll find a large variety of goodies to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, or your sweet tooth. So hurry, hurry, hurry. Visit our refreshment center now. Uh, I've got got, uh, uh, about a half dozen to a dozen fast trivia facts. Okay. About Perry
0: Mason and uh, Bremen Burr. So we'll shoot those off. Bang bang! I sh- should have had a gun. Son, in fact, that would have been perfect for you know murder mysteries. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, we'll assume that everyone's uh, back from the toilet. I mean the uh, outhouse
1: and yeah. f- refresh their beverage. Tommy, right in there, what you're drinking tonight? Um, let's see. Uh, let's. Uh, I'll just uh, pound you with a little bit of trivia here. Uh, Raymond Burr. Um, Well, he uh, really had a lot of his early acting experiences at Pasadena Playhouse, where he was there for quite some time. Uh, He was on Broadway in 1941 in something called Crazy with the Heat. Um, Finally, he was signed by RKO as a contract player he made his film debut in the 1946 Claudette Colbert John Wayne comedy. Who knew they were ever in a movie together? It was called Without Reservations. And um, and then he went on to just he did a lot of film noir movies where he was the the villain. But he was cast in a movie in 1951. It was called A Place in the Sun. And Guess what? He was cast as a lawyer. So maybe someone in the production of Perry Mason thought of that movie and his performance in that. And by the way, um, Raymond Burr uh, was competing for the role of Perry Mason with Fred McMurray. (laughs) Oh, wow. Can you imagine Fred McMurray? It just, see, this is how iconic Perry Mason was and how just no nobody else could be perry mason except raymond burr I, it's just not possible also ephraim Zimblis jr wanted to be perry mason and uh, and uh, by all accounts uh the week and uh, months and years that raymond burr spent uh Producing Perry Mason over nine years was a job. It kept him real busy. And it was an hour drama, a lot of on-location scenes. It wasn't all in the courtroom, although every program ended with, a, with a, the final scene in the courtroom. Uh, but he had to do a lot of location stuff. And it really took over his life uh, for the next nine years. Much later on in life, believe it or not, Raymond Burr kind of said, you know what, (laughs) getting involved with Perry Mason was one of the worst moves I ever made in my life. And it's just because it took over for the next nine years. He had no time to do anything else. And I think... If you talk to anybody who does TV, that's probably true, at least as far as hour-long dramas, because the production schedule is immense. To churn out at the time, folks, you're used to the seasons nowadays being 6, 10, 13 episodes. No, a season of Perry Mason was 32 episodes hour-long episodes. Can you imagine? Oh, my Lord. And uh, he really he really began to resent the pace that he was being put through. And uh, I think he kept a stiff upper lip. And one of the things, uh, his contract did run out uh, at a certain point. And to his credit, I think, he decided, you know what? If I end this, all my friends here on the show are going to be out of a job. And this speaks to his benevolence and his kindness and his consideration. And by all accounts, this man was uh, very kind and generous. He stuck it out for another two years or more when he could have just said, I'm done.
0: And you know, I, on that note, Hopi, um, I was reading that when the last two of the TV movies were being produced, he had already been diagnosed with cancer, and he actually, uh, you know, decided not to have the surgery because he wanted to be able to pull through to finish those movies. Right, and of course, that's uh, as DJ said, that's the the
1: nineteen uh, eighties TV movies, those twenty six movies he did. Right up until his death, and and like DJ said, there again he had a, a choice. You know, jeepers, I'm pretty sick, but he said, you know what? I'm I want to keep going till the end because all these people are counting on me for their this you know this livelihood, their in their income. So that uh, I think says a lot about him.
0: Now, something else that comes to mind when I watch a TV series like this is back in the day they used to have people that had contracts with studios so you would get you know an assortment of talent and this person had been on this show and that show and this thing and i couldn't uh, tell you how surprised i was to see some folks i mean You know, you you get so that you're bad with names or, you know, you recognize a face or a voice, but you don't remember their name. And here I am watching some of the first season episodes and I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't that the guy that was the talent agent in the sound of music in the 60s? And it was. And then there one of the actresses that was on Perry Mason was um, Andy Griffith's like third season girlfriend. <laughs> and then there was, um, one of the older gentlemen on the show ended up being the actor that played Fred Zippel, the neighbor on green acres. Uh, a lot of interesting people passed through the doors of the studio, making Perry Mason. And you might be surprised if you catch an episode of, of who was guesting that week. Yeah um two that just come to mind immediately uh, bert reynolds was in an
1: in an episode and robert redford was in an episode and many others i mean this was this was how it was uh in the tv land at this time is uh they actors would cut their teeth in tv and then uh if they were lucky they would get a, a movie career going and so it's not uncommon in much of TV in this era you would see like, Oh my God, that's so-and-so and you know, probably a very young so-and-so.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, earlier I talked about the woman who uh, talked the author into turning this into a TV series. And I just want to take a moment to go back and mention her name. Cause of course, every woman is not just the sum of their marriage. And uh, this lady was Gail Patrick Jackson, who was the executive producer of Carrie Mason. And she's the uh, lady I mentioned who had 60 acting credits before she, uh, she sort of retired to private life for a little while and then became a television producer and most certainly on the heels of lucille ball's success if she quoted her is as, as the things that we learned from lucy because cbs originally wanted perry mason to be an hour-long live tv show and she said are you kidding me basically lucy showed you that when you record a program in the studio like they did you get comedy gold and you can just replay them to you know to the end of time <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah
1: <clears throat> raymond burr might possibly because of ex- his experience in live television gone along with it but it wouldn't have been too far in where he would have said hey hi haha you're <laughs> asking me to do the impossible because he had raymond burr was in just about every damn scene in Perry Mason. That means every episode he's there and he had to film that shit and he had that took a huge amount of time and guess what? A huge amount of dialogue. And if he had to do that live, he Raymond Burr would have learned really fast. Um, no, I can't do it. So Raymond Burr, um, because he had so much dialogue in every episode, resorted to cue cards that he would place strategically. And he had this kind of acting style where he had these shifty eyes. He would look the other actor in the eye, and then he would look down. And it all seemed perfectly natural. I mean, you would not know he was reading cue cards. But he was. But he disguised it incredibly well. Um, but yeah, that's, he, even though it wasn't live and and they were filming, he learned that, you know, okay, kids, I can't memorize that much dialogue every (laughs) damn day. So
0: we're going to do cue cards.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, um, what was I going to say? Ah, crap. I forgot. Uh,
1: Sorry. Well, you know what we should move into is perhaps the most interesting thing about Raymond Burr (laughs) and uh, that's that he was a very heavily, very deep, deep inside the closet uh, gay man. Mm -hmm. And this is not uncommon for this era. Uh, Think of Jim Neighbors, think of Roddy McDowell, think of um, so many others. Uh, uh, Rock Hudson, duh. Uh, They they were not going to come out of the closet. Uh, Say what you will or disparage them, but they had a career and they weren't going to ruin it. And certainly uh, people discovering this about them is exactly what would have happened to them. Their career would have been ruined. So I do not blame Raymond Burr. Uh, for staying in the closet, really, his whole life. He never came out. Um, <clears throat> and uh, one of the, you know, there were a lot of ways that actors of this time disguised the fact that they were gay. And a lot of it was someone would write an article, oh, so-and-so's went on a date with la da and uh, they'd, people would see the photos and, oh, yeah, Rock Hudson's dating, blah, blah, blah. Um, and and uh, to a certain extent, Raymond Burr did that a little bit. In fact, who who would you think that uh, the studios decided, I know, let's pair Raymond Burr up with him, eh, Natalie Wood. <laughs> so for a while, supposedly... Raymond Burr and Natalie Wood were a thing, and oh. they they sent them out on public dates so that they would be noticed and things. And
0: it was just silly, but they uh, were other, they were each other's press agent basically. Uh, kinda. Well, um, um, Natalie Wood was happy to go along with
1: it because she was seriously getting involved with uh, a much older man. Um <sighs> Who he? If she eventually married,
0: what the hell is his name? Wasn't he the guy that was on the boat when she? Yeah, passed? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, I can't think of his name. <laughs> Save us, Jay. Are you still there? <laughs> yeah.
1: So, <somebody>, but <laughs> someone tell us what the hell uh, it was uh, he? He did. Uh, um, God, I'm drawing a blank. But oh fuck, Robert Wagner. Duh. Okay. All right. <laughs> Anyways. Raymond Burr uh, was not happy about going out on these fake dates, so he decided he'd do something different. And whenever he was interviewed, naturally, they'd ask him about his personal life, and he started inventing things, just pulling it out of his ass. And, um, well, uh, uh, it turns out he was married three times. Sure. Okay. Uh, turns out he had a kid. Okay. Sounds good to me. Where, where are these people? What happened to? Them? Well, they all died. Oh, yeah, they all died of one thing or another. His kid had leukemia, and so he invented this whole history of, of these women that he had married in, um, and uh, and his. Uh, it was out there in the press. People wrote about it. It seemed to be known. And when he was asked about it in interviews, he would get all somber and say, because of all these deaths, well, that's just not something I'm going to talk about.
0: Right.
1: He got around the whole thing by making up these stories and then saying, it's too tragic. I can't talk about it. So good for him. Uh, for uh, getting around it and, and stopping the stupid pretend dates he'd have to go on.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's, it's good to know that, uh, you know, despite having to live undercover like that, um, he, he didn't, you know, sweep his loved ones under the rug. In fact, uh, when he did finally pass away, his, his partner was very handsomely provided for. they, they had a plantation, they had their own winery, and he was a avid gardener, and he even bred a variety of, I think it was orchids? Yeah, it was orchids. And uh, he named one after his co-star from the series that played uh, Della Street, his assistant. And for some 20 years, they had their own orchids that were... You know, produced there on his his property, right, so one of the things whether Raymond Burr
1: Raymond Burr understood that Perry Mason had brought him fame and fortune. He was one of, if not the highest paid performers by the end <clears throat> the last few years of Perry Mason, remember on the air for nine years to keep him there they had to pay him well and he got i mean he was paid very well uh for those nine years and uh uh, one of the things he did was set up a home on some island in fiji Uh, and then uh, later on uh, as you said dj he started an, an orchid I don't know what you call it, plantation or something. And the main man, his main squeeze, his uh, confidant and uh, companion for so many years, uh, at least you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 years or more, was a man named Robert. Um, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but it's Benavides, Benavi- Benavides uh, who originally was an actor who kind of didn't go anywhere. They met on the set of Perry Mason, and um, just connected, and uh, and stayed together uh, for the next thirty-five years or so, uh, right up until his death. And like you said, uh, Raymond Burr left everything to him.
0: And to this day, I, I'm not sure that she's done any recent work, but he has a niece. Who seems to be the only member of his family that got the acting bug um, but if you if you do a search for Raymond Burr's niece you'll see a few things that she was credited for I think they were just bit parts up until the 90s so she's she's probably one of the many folks that have retired to private life mm-hmm. and
1: um, Maren in the chat room asked why did they do the movies in Denver And I believe that's where his ranch was. Uh, And um, Raymond Burr had a lot of pull at the time. And if somebody in TV wanted Raymond Burr to do something, Raymond Burr was in the position of saying, okay, I'll do it. But I ain't traveling a whole lot of distance from my home because I like it here. And I don't have to do your stupid movie. So you want me? Uh, Guess what? You're filming in Denver. (laughs) That's basically what that was.
0: Yes, and um, <coughs> pardon me. In the chat room, Billy has mentioned one of Raymond Burr's co-stars, William Tallman, who played the. Uh, oh, I'm forgetting what the official title of his role was. He but- was
1: kind of, he was kind of the detective that Raymond Burr's Perry Mason had. Um. To find evidence, because in, in every case, <clears throat> uh, he needed someone to get evidence. And of course, this guy would come through as this detective with the evidence at the last possible second, and that would win Perry Mason the case. So that
0: was his role. Uh, William Talman um, played this uh, detective. And, and interestingly enough, some of the trivia on Mr. Talman was that. Uh, he apparently had a contract dispute for a while and left the show, but um, was brought back. And there there may have been some unsundry business where, just like uh, some of the company that Mr. Burr kept wanted to be kept quiet, he was, you know, going to the wrong parties and being around the wrong people. Yeah, he, he ran
1: into some trouble and he, he had to... Um, he had some misdemeanor charges, and it was all in the papers, and CBS said, guess what, you're done, and he was off the show for, I think, four episodes, and Raymond Burr said, guess what, he's back in, he's my friend, I don't care what happened, uh, bring him back in, or there's going to be trouble. And because this is another, again, another way uh, that the cast, the crew had become a family over this nine years. And Raymond Burr really stuck out for all of them. And certainly for this actor, he said, get him back in here. I want him on the damn show. And uh, believe me, the producers did not want it, but they gave in. And and Talman went back to work um, and returned uh, to the role. For the rest of the series
0: mm-hmm. so we're we're just in the last few moments here uh, i just wanted to mention another little bit of odd trivia was um you know many of the people involved with the show didn't necessarily do a lot of other roles and one of those being uh raymond burr's co-star barbara hale who played della street the assistant well um at the time when she was on the series she was known throughout the industry for her screams. And she was given the title of best shriek in Hollywood. <laughs> Indeed he do. And, um, she, uh you
1: know, she did well in that series. And, uh, I remember it came back in the eighties and she was back on that show for another freaking 26, two hour movies. So, uh, she had a good career out of that TV franchise.
0: Certainly. And if you consider today's production schedules, even though they're TV movies, that's the equivalent of doing an entire season of a regular TV show. Yeah. And as we end, um, uh, you know,
1: I just want to say, uh, that for me, uh, I think it was a little bit brilliant in the way that he totally lied so consistently and inconsistently, because he would forget the details. Uh, But uh, to the the press and everybody in making up uh, two of his three marriages, he actually was married for a couple of months to someone. um, And it was like over with before it even started because hi, he was gay. Uh, But (laughs) Um I want to say oh, one of his last he, he was described as being very generous uh with with his money and his time uh with people that he knew his friends and um uh, and it said that uh when when he found out that he was in fact dying um and he was still acting on Perry Mason in the TV movies He would hold dinner parties where he could say goodbye to all the people that he knew. Um, As a matter of fact, he threw dinner parties for years and years and years. He was famous for his dinner parties, and he would do the cooking. And he was a great entertainer as far as that goes. But just, uh, just a lovely way to say goodbye to people and let them know you know, he let them know what he meant to him.
0: So Toppy, I think that uh, we are rounding things out to the end here. So uh, on our first show, we established that we were each going to briefly give our impression of the show on a rating scale of a one to five. Now, what say you, sir, how would you rate Perry Mason? If you had something else to watch, where would you put
1: it? Well, I put it in a uh, four. Uh, uh, look, it's a little dated now even those damn 26 tv movies feel a little dated but for its time it was com- it was compelling tv drama and i gotta look at it as a product of its time and there was nothing else like it before and it was a whole new style of dramatization so i gotta say you know it was groundbreaking it was super popular um and so i'm going to say that that damn show you know let's give it a damn 4
0: <laughs> okay well this is where we're allowed to be different i didn't think it was a bad show but some of those early episodes were very cookie cutter it was all damsel in distress stuff yeah um i i fell asleep during one of them and ah! <laughs> when i watched the next one i couldn't tell if i was just repeating the same one again <laughs> Oh, no. Uh,
1: yeah, I got to say uh, that, that trying to come up with a new crime and a new way to solve it really taxed the writers. And Raymond Burke, you know, would criticize the writers and, 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 and refuse to do things. He, you know, there are many times where he said, this script stinks and I'm not going to do it. And because he was so valued, he was the show. He was Perry Mason. Uh, quite often, they had to do
0: what Raymond Burr said. And I, I was going to give this a two, but considering that it was groundbreaking, I'll elevate it to three, and then I'll compliment it by saying, if I had to choose between watching an episode of Seinfeld and Perry Mason, I would choose Perry Mason. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Well, <laughs> hey, you know what? I think maybe in a lot of ways,
1: Perry Mason has held it better than Seinfeld. Um, folks, uh,
0: yeah. All right, let's put a coin in that slot here. Do it. Oh, how
1: fun. Oh, my God. Oh, look, folks, there's a little piece of paper in this capsule. And, the DJ, our next presentation is going to come right up to Halloween 1931. A horror movie, Boris Karloff, It Ain't Frankenstein. So that's your clue. It's another movie. It's going to be lots of spooky fun.
0: So this episode will be available for download at the beginning of the next week here. And stay tuned to our website at matineeminutia.com if you yeah. could, uh, go back over these hints and uh, if you want to play the game dirty, sure, go ahead and do it. You can find the hint next to the rabbit in the hat.
1: We will be revealing the answer
0: uh, by Monday. Is that when it is? Yes. Uh, okay. there right There next to the, uh, the rabbit in the hat. Yeah. And there will be a
1: way for you to view this movie. And I hope you do, uh, because if you watch it, you can play along with us here in the chat room next time.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Matinee Minutia. Our show is live every other Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Stop by univospods.net, click the tower for streaming audio, and enter Discord for chat. Follow us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Have a comment, question, or a suggestion for a topic? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. And of course, you can visit our website at matineeminutia.com. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univazpods.net. And I am now releasing the stream. (laughs) If you want to check from the page there just to make sure that it's just the pre-recorded stuff. All right, I shall. This will just take a minute to get uh-huh. back there. I'll unmute my phone.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oops, that's not it. Um,
1: oh, yeah, that's right. I got to go here.
0: Yeah, we're off. We're off. Okay. Now, I don't know if Bertie uses... uh facebook messenger or not but i am going to send her the chat room link which if she's using facebook messenger it will pop up on her phone but she oh. was she... um go ahead oh. it was say she was commenting on my posts on facebook
1: saying
0: mm-hmm. she had trouble getting into the chat room oh. so if she has the app then it will take her right into the chat room. But, you know, if it's one of those things where if you're just going to the web page and clicking on it, it's trying to look for the app if you're on your phone. So um, if I send her the link, then it should work that way. Let me see, copy link. That's something. It still says live up there.
1: Hmm. Google chat. Oh, maybe that's
0: YouTube. Oh, you know what? Uh, yes, we are still live on YouTube, so let me go ahead and close. Bye, everyone that. on YouTube. <laughs> uh-huh. Bye-bye.